Orangewood, is this not a BEA beautiful day to worship Jesus? I mean, how about this weekend? Let me ask the question. If Florida's weather was like this all year round, would anybody not live here? I mean, I think the whole world would come here. This is absolutely beautiful. But here's the good news. No matter if it's rain or shine, hot or cold, humid or not, we always have the privilege and the joy of worshiping a God who is. And it's so great to be with you. And again, this morning, whether you're enjoying the weather, enjoying your stage of life or not, let me just say, I'm so glad you're here. And I'm so glad that uh, God has assembled us because he wants to remind us again of who he is. And he wants to remind each and every one of us of how he loves. And he wants to remind us of the way he thinks of you. And, and for some of us, We just need to be reminded again. And for some of us, it might be the first time. But I guarantee you this. If God gives us the ears to hear the way he sees us, wow, it changes everything. If you have your Bible, if you'll turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, we're going to begin there. Uh, Really, most of our time will be there. We're going to pick up a verse in the book of Acts and a, a, a verse in the book of 1 Corinthians 15 as we continue a sermon series on worth. And what is our worth according to God and his word? And today we're going to talk about vocational worth. And so if I say vocational worth, I bet you it immediately makes you think of something uh, job related. But let me encourage you, if you have a job or don't or student, wherever you are, it might be more to the story than you think. So this vocational worth we're going to unpack together. In the Japanese culture, the business card is a very important business tool. It's much different than the way we see business cards. I believe they're called meishi. And as you come in contact in business, especially if it's for the very first time, one of the first things you do is you exchange business cards. And it's not just a pleasantry or to give someone your name. It really is going to set the tone for the entire interaction, for the entire uh, communication. It's all going to be determined by that business card. Because as you look at it and you look at your title, uh, you'll realize that it tells you something that who has the more honorable job? Uh, Who has the job that, that deserves the most respect? And so once you exchange cards, you look at yours and say, well, I'm a regional manager, but this person's a manager of something nationwide. The one with the lesser job, the one with less honorable job, the first thing he does is he bows lower. You bow lower. The one who has the bigger job doesn't bow as as much. As a matter of fact, knowing the title will actually set the tone for the language that will be used. I've heard it's always respectful. But when you're talking to someone with a lesser job, you use different words. I mean, you have a different decorum. And it's all centered around job title. As a matter of fact, I was told that sometimes in a business meeting, when they're across the table from one another, they will keep that meishi, that business card, right there. It's kind of a reminder of of who they are interacting with. We're going to look at today some incredible news that that God has called us. You ready for this? He's called you. He's, he's called me. If you're a follower of Christ, the title that God wants to give you, among other things, is an ambassador for God. That we are his representatives. We are his ambassadors. And let me ask you a question. If God were going to say, okay, now this is a reality. I'm going to give you all business cards. What would the business card read, do you think? You know, just clearly ambassador for Jesus. Would it read power of attorney for the king of kings and the Lord of lords? 
Would it be something like maybe Dan Aykroyd wants to carry around on a mission from God? And the question I have is, do you think if he gave us one, would it have an ichthus or those little fishy things on it or a little cross? What do you think? Do you think it'd have any Christian symbols? For some of you, you're thinking, no way, man. For some, maybe so. I, I don't know. I just think it'd be just some authentic card that says, you're mine and you're a storyteller. And I want people to know about me through you. What we've been doing with this series is we've been looking through the lens of of what God and his word tells us about you and me. And we've been looking for our finding our worth, not described to us what the mirror says, not described to us what our bank account says or what others think about us. But what's most important, what does God think about you? And how does he describe worth? And that's where we've been. Let me, let me remind you, the first thing we've looked at is creative worth. That each and every one of you have infinite worth in you because you've been made by an infinite God. You've been made in his image. This incredible God creates everything and he creates everything for his glory. But he shared with nothing else other than you and me, men and women, his image. When God sees you, he sees himself. That's incredible worth, whether you're in the womb or outside of the womb, whether you're filled with health or you're racked with Alzheimer's. You got worth, and you have worth because you reflect God. The story the Bible tells us that we were made not only in his image, we were made for God, but we rebelled. We try to find life apart from him. We try to find meaning apart from him. And to be brought back into his love, to be brought back into the story, that God would have to shed his own blood. It's a purchase price value of us. That the story of the Bible is that God would so love you, so see worth in you, that he would shed his own son's blood, God's blood, to wash us and to cleanse us. Incredible worth. But there's more. That God would not only make you in his image and shed his blood for you, that that God would share his family name with you. That he would give you his name, and, and not just his name, his identity. And not just his identity, but according to the Bible, that everything that Jesus deserves as the only begotten son, And everything that Jesus deserves as the only obedient son that God shares with us, his inheritance. And he doesn't hold anything back. Think about that. All the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms are ours. It's incredible. Last week, we realized it wasn't enough to be made in his image. It wasn't enough to be purchased with his blood. It wasn't enough to be given a part of the family that he makes his home inside of us. That location, location, location worth that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the residence worth, that God dwells with his people. And today we will see vocational work worth, worth in what God calls us to do as Christians. Remember, I've tried to make it clear, the Bible wants to tell us that our worth isn't found in what we do apart from God, but once by the power of the gospel, we've been restored to God. Once we've been brought near He gives us the privilege of doing something of great worth for God. And that is to tell his story. And that is to be his representatives. We're going to see three things uh, this morning. The worth seen in our calling, what we're called to do. The worth seen in our empowering, what God empowers us to do. And the worth seen in our return on investment of what the fruit that we will produce. So let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I probably say this every week, and I want you to know I mean it every week. This is probably my favorite passage of Scripture. I say it all the time, and God's Word's amazing, but really, this is like 
One of my favorite passages of scripture is 2 Corinthians 5. We're going to find this robustness of the gospel and all that it means for you and me. We're also going to look at a couple other verses, but let's be mindful that whether we're in 2 Corinthians or Acts or, or we're in the Old Testament or New Testament, that God himself has breathed upon the original writers, his very being. So here's the point. It'll never lead us astray. And this is a story that's more than just a story to entertain you and me. It's to transform us. This is the power of God. So let's hear and place ourselves afresh under the authority of God's word. Paul writes to the church in Corinth and to us, empowered by the Spirit, these words, beginning in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, or that relationship by God's grace through faith, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I love this next passage. It's the whole gospel in one verse. For our sake, he, God the Father, made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Let's turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter one, it's Jesus is about to ascend after uh, resurrecting from the dead. He gives these words to his disciples and to us in verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. We're gonna unpack that word. It's a beautiful word. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And one more, 1 Corinthians 15, at the end of what Paul describes as this beautiful resurrected hope in Christ, he says this in verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, again, we find ourselves with such good news being proclaimed to us. And God, we, we find ourselves that you tell us that we can find a new life in you and life abundantly and what you've done for us through your son, Jesus. And God, I know this for sure, that each and every one of us needs to hear and understand and embrace the beauty and the weight and the glory of these words. And God, what is also clear is that I'm just not fit. I'm not fit as a sinner like I am to to bring out the beauty and the depth. Only you could do that. So God, would you do that which only you can do? Would you come and join your people? And would you speak through a broken sinner like me? Would you give us ears to hear your voice? Would you give us minds to understand your word, your truth, and your gospel? Would you give us hearts to embrace your love and your calling? And God, would you give us feet Feet that would walk in a manner worthy of your name. 
The things that I say that are wrong or merely my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. But the things that are said that are true and contain the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior Jesus? And it's in his holy and matchless name that we pray. Amen. In your bulletin, you'll find an outline if you want to follow along with me. And the first thing we're going to see this is our worth seen in our calling. That God has called us to represent him and not just represent him in any way. God has called us to represent him as his ambassadors. Ambassadors have an incredibly important job. They represent another. They represent the authority of another. Uh, sometimes you can see an ambassador in a sales force or an ambassador uh, for your neighborhood. But this is God saying, you are going to be an ambassador of mine. You're going to represent me. Can you imagine being given the job like the ambassador to China from the United States of America? Do you know what happens when an ambassador like from the United States goes to a place like China? You ready for this? They are going to speak on behalf of the entire nation. They are going to represent the entire nation in bodily form. They are the ones who basically are there representing every single one of us. How would it make you feel? I mean, how would it make you feel that you know that you're on a foreign soil and everything you said is basically representing the entire nation? I mean, that's a job, is it not? I mean, there's some weight coming with that. Listen, what God calls us is so much more. He says, we are the ambassadors of God. He's basically saying this, I'm gonna give you power of attorney. Who do you give power of attorney to? I mean, who, who will you give the ability to, to sign for you, to, to make deals for you? Who would you give the ability to represent you legally and binding in a way? I mean, it better be somebody you know, right? You don't want to give that to Joe Bag of Donuts. You want, to, you want to give that to somebody you know, and you want to give it to somebody you love. If you're going to give somebody else the power over your estate, the power over your name, the power to enter into contracts and whatnot, you better know them very, very well. And by the way, you better know they love you. You better know that they're looking out for your best interests. And the crazy, incredible good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is you're gonna represent me and you're gonna represent me and you're gonna be basically the power of attorney for me in this world. We're given the power to represent God. Not only are we called to represent him as, as ambassadors, we also have the privilege to participate with him as ambassadors, to participate with him in what he's doing. I've said it this way. Church, we're the message of God. We're the message of what God is doing in the world. We're the message. We're, we're the ones that the good news of the gospel has, has come to. He says in this, uh, this, this verse that God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ Jesus. Only in Christ Jesus is a reconciliation. And now that, now that we've been reconciled because of Jesus' perfect life and because he became our sin on that cross and we're robed in his righteousness, because of his atoning death, because of his uh, resurrection, and the life now that reigns in us, that we, we are his and, and we are beloved and we are made new. And we are the message. We're the message that tells the world there's a God who is. 
We're the message that tells the world, and guess what? He loves sinners like you and me. We are the message that God hasn't left the building and what Christ has done. We're it, but we're more than just a message. Do you hear what it said? We're the messengers. He's reconciled to himself so that we can be what? Have the ministry of reconciliation so we can be ambassadors. So we could do what? We could participate in what God is doing. And what is God doing? You know, kind of a rite of passage in my house is when I got old enough that God, my father would entrust me with a very sacred, beloved family lawnmower. <laughs> Until you knew that you can operate it. And again, my dad loved his lawnmower. It was a fine one. And he didn't just entrust it to anybody because he was the best mower of any lawn. You see the straightest lines, the nicest looking thing. And when you finally grew up, when you finally had that uh, maturity, that you weren't going to run over your toes, and that you might do a fairly decent straight line, God, uh, my, my father gave me the great uh, privilege of helping mow the lawn. You know how much joy I had participating in my father's work? It lasted a couple times. <laughs> It faded away. I mean, it became mowing the daggum lawn, right? But, but I remember that rite of passage. I remember that joy. Do you, when you were entrusted by something by your parents to do, and you realize you're entrusting me this, God calls us to participate in the greatest project that has ever take, undertaken on earth. Listen, I want you to say, hear that again. God has given us the privilege to be a part of what he's doing, that what he's undertaken. What is God doing? It says in our passage that God is reconciling the world to himself through Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. It's always been God's goal to fill the earth with his glory. It's always been his goal to use you and me to do it. And in Christ Jesus now, because of, of what he has done for us, we can have reconciliation with God. Hit pause. Do you know what that means? God knows who you are. God knows what you've done. God knows your brokenness and your incompleteness and your sin. And he loves you anyway. And in Christ Jesus, he's fully forgiven you. He's, he's, he set you free. How much is that good news? And not only just for you, but, but God is reconciling the whole world to himself. He's making all things new. I love uh, Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, this glorious passage that God is going to remind us of who he is and what he's done. And in verses like 7 through 9, he tells us this. He says that in Christ Jesus... God is uniting everything in heaven and earth. It's probably one of those verses that's so big and so glorious and so grand, it just passes in one ear and out the other. But the God of the Bible, the God who created all things, and the God who would love you enough to send his son says, I'm uniting things. And this isn't just a cosmic deal. This isn't just a worldwide deal. This is heaven and earth. And I'm going to make all things new. And what I'm choosing is to use you and me to do it. God has called us to participate in what he is doing and bringing the good news of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. That's why he's called us to, to bring peace where we go. That's why he's called us the temple of the Holy Spirit to be the place of his story being told and sacrifice being made. That's why he calls you the light of the world. That's why he calls you and me the salt of the earth. Why? Because God is bringing all things to himself, making all things new. Don't you want him to hurry up? I tell you, I'm praying more and more in my life. Are you? Oh God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. You tell us this is the goal. You tell us this is where we're heading. You're choosing to use us to do this great work. Will you, will you speed it up? 
You know, it's interesting, this is not in my notes, but I, one of the things I love about the Puritans is they, they looked at a passage in Peter that says that if we live godly lives and if we spread the good news of the gospel, it speeds the day of the Lord. They really felt like they understood this ambassador stuff. They understood that life isn't just something random happening out there. That in somehow in God's, listen to this, in somehow in God's cosmic, eternal, divine plan, he has chosen you and me to help bring the kingdom of God here. He's chosen us to tell the story, the good news of the gospel. He's chosen us. And what we do matters. That's why he says, listen, you and I, we are his workmanship. We're his masterpiece in Christ Jesus that he has prepared for us to walk in obedience before time began. We are blessed to be a blessing. God's called us to the greatest thing that's ever been done or ever will be done. To make the world know and love Jesus. You know, we, we have people even in our congregation um, who have done some great things with great pride. I mean, uh, I'm looking at Don Holmes who flew B-24s in World War II and just the, just the joy of participating in, in that greatest generation and, and what you're able to do. It's really, really cool. Or, or maybe you have a, a grandparent or great-grandparent that like built the Brooklyn Bridge or, or did something that they could look to and say, man, look what, look what my family line did or look what my, my grandfather, my, my great-grandfather did. Look at what they were able to participate in. And we don't have a, the privilege of building a bridge across a river like the Brooklyn Bridge. We have the privilege of, of helping God and what he's building a bridge from heaven to earth. It's incredible. And the war we fight, we're not fighting in flying fighter pilots like B-24 uh, planes. We have the privilege of fighting another kind of war. God's called us to participate with him. That's absolutely incredible. Remember, our worth is not found in what we do apart from God. Our worth is found completely in him, but now he calls us, us, you and me, to be his ambassadors, his representatives. And you gotta hear this. You know what he's telling you? Be an ambassador right where you are. Of all the things I think I'm gonna say this morning, this might be the most important. Don't look for a different opportunity to be an ambassador. Look at your current opportunities differently. That doesn't mean you have to leave here and change everything you do. God is in control of all things. He's put you in your circumstances. He's placed you where he wants you to be. And you don't have to go and do something radically different. You don't have to go home and sell your house. Well, maybe he's calling somebody to do that and, and, and move to a mission field. He just wants you to see every single thing of your life differently because you are an ambassador for him. I mean, it's just an incredible, incredible privilege for us. Hey, Rob, what do you do for a living? Sell tires. You're an ambassador for Christ, Rob. It's more than that. Jeff, where do you live? In Maitland? You know God has you there for a reason. And he wants you to be an ambassador for Christ. I mean, Miss um, Bewalda, where do you go to school? I'm not talking to you. I know Tammy's already graduated. Okay, you go to Orangewood. You know you're an ambassador for Christ there? If you go, if you're a public school, you go wherever you go. Do you know, listen, student, you know you're an ambassador for Christ? You know God has you exactly where he wants you? Kayla, you're a, you're a fifth grade teacher, but you're more. You're an ambassador for Christ. I mean, you, you, gotta, you gotta understand that. John, you're a dentist, but you're so much more. You're an ambassador for Christ. I mean, I mean Doug, you're a lawyer, but you're so much more. You're an ambassador for Christ, my brother. And he's placed you where he wants you. 
I recently had a conversation with a, a young uh, married a gal in our church, and it's one of my favorite people because I saw her grow up, and I had the privilege of officiating her wedding, and now she's a, a vibrant part of our church. And she told me recently of a conversation she had at work. She's a nurse. And it was, the conversation didn't go real well. And the person she was talking with was sharing some things and beliefs that were really kind of antithetical to Christianity and, and her worldview. And she started thinking, gosh, I wish Jeff were here. I wish Jeff were here. He'd know what to say. And I love what she told me. And then she realized, no, no, Jeff would tell me, God put you there. God put you there for a reason, to be you. God put you there for a reason, to shine for him. He didn't put me there. You're called to be an ambassador right where God wants you. You don't have to do anything differently, but you have to see everything differently. And you're to tell his story ultimately. The second thing is this, worth seeing in our empowering. Again, the book of Acts, Jesus is gonna ascend to heaven. He says, now you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. By the way, the word power is dunamis in the Greek. It's dynamite. You're gonna, you're gonna receive the power of God, the dynamite of God to represent me and you will be my witnesses. And I love the word witnesses because he's basically saying, and, and the word witness is where we get our English word. You ready for this? Martyr. He says, you're gonna receive the power of God and, and you're gonna be my storytellers and, and you're gonna be my, my, my witnesses and you're gonna be my martyrs. You're gonna be the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're gonna be the place where God's story is uniquely being told. You're gonna be the place where God's sacrifice is being made and the sacrifice is your life, a living sacrifice. And I'm gonna tell my story through you because you're my ambassador and you're my witnesses and everywhere you go, I'll be empowering you. The greatest joy came to Katie and me for our second son, JP, because he has done two things. He graduated college, thank you, Lord Jesus, and he got gainfully employed. Hallelujah, he's off my payroll, you know? Um, but the, the, the reality is, is JP got a, not only just gainfully employed, he got a company that is really gonna invest in him, that they're gonna empower him to succeed, and to empower him to succeed when he does includes training. They're gonna train him. They, they're gonna give him five weeks of training. They're gonna pour into him so he can succeed because if you really care about your employees and care about success, you train them, right? You empower them. They sent him to Philadelphia for five weeks. So I'm not sure if they really like him or not in February, but hey, we're thrilled that he's there. And what this is telling us is this, is that God is so gracious that he's not only gonna call you to himself, he's gonna empower you for success. And the success isn't gonna come from you, it's gonna come from him. He's gonna empower you with the Holy Spirit, that dynamite to succeed. Here's the good news you've gotta continually hear about God. What God requires of us, and listen, he's holy God. What God requires of us, and he's perfect God. What God requires of us, he provides for us every time, every time. And what's he gonna require of us? He wants us to be his ambassadors. He wants us to be his storytellers. He's gonna empower us to do it. I have to tell you, I've read this passage over and over again. Sometimes I want to argue with God. Sometimes I want to say, are you kidding me? You couldn't come up with a better plan than us being your ambassadors? You're going to choose sheep that wander. You're going to choose those who are prone to forget. You're going to choose those who can't get over their addictions and continually stumble and fall, continually make a bet. We're the plan in Christ Jesus. Yeah, you're it. You're my ambassadors. You're my storytellers. And I'm going to empower you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna empower you to be my witnesses, to tell my story. And here's the really good news. You know you have to be? God's calling you to be his ambassador. He's empowered. He's what he's telling you. You have to be you. 
You don't have to be anybody else. You don't have to be Jeff. You don't have to be Joe. You don't have to be anybody else. You gotta be you, but you gotta be you in love with Jesus. You gotta be you in love with Jesus and say, God, I understand that my life is now your life and you're gonna use me any way you want me to. And I know this about you. I know this about you. You can be you. And if you let the gospel just wash over you in the reality of what Christ has done for you, you could be you in love with Jesus and see what he does through you. You see, the reality is, is he wants to tell the world that God loves sinners like you and me, that he chooses the broken and the weak to do great things, that we don't have to pretend and lie that we're something else. And you know, part of being an ambassador is telling the truth. And the telling the truth is, I'm prone to fail, but God has never ceased loving me. He's never ceased forgiving me. And that's the power of the gospel. He empowers us to be witnesses. Lastly, the worst seen in the return on our investment. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 tells us such incredible good news that what we do for in the Lord is never, ever, ever in vain. Is there anything more frustrating than working on a project that proves to be a waste of time? Is there anything more frustrating? You know it. I know you've been there. When you're given something to do and you realize it's just completely a waste, doesn't it drive you batty? How about this? Have you ever had a paper students that you've poured a lot of time in your teacher doesn't read it? You ever been there where you work really hard and you turn something in and you're like, they don't even care. Have you ever been given a project and, and you realize that it's not appreciated? I tried this in the early service and it didn't go well and I said I wasn't gonna use it but I'm gonna try it again. So you gotta laugh at this. This is a good one, okay? When I think about a project that didn't go well, it wasn't appreciated, I thought of that film classic, Christmas Vacation. You remember when Clark was uh, asked if he would uh, uh, give, him, give the boss some material about that new varnish he was working to put on cereal that keeps milk from penetrating it? I don't know why that stuck with me, but it did. And when he eventually saw his boss, he said, hey, how, how'd the presentation go? How did it go? Because I, I put a lot of time into this. This is like, like my crown jewel of making a varnish that keeps milk out of cereal. How'd it go? And he's like, oh, yeah, whatever. I forgot all about it. I mean, it's deflating. If you work hard at something, it produces no results. If you work hard at something and it's absolutely in vain, is it not def deflating? If you have an idea that's not heard. Jobs that are meaningless take away our life. Jobs that don't mean anything really in the long run will kill us and not bring us life. But as God's ambassador, listen to this, as God's ambassador, everything you do matters. As God's ambassador, everything, the small things, the big things, the, your, your parenting, your, your living life as a single, whatever you're doing in work, in play, everything matters. Because listen, here's the reality. If you're a Christian, you're an ambassador on your good day and your bad day. And it's not like you're an ambassador when you feel like it. You are an ambassador. All days, all the time. But what he says is what we do in Christ will never come back vain. Our labor is not in vain that our God is so gracious that that conversation you have that seems not that important turns out to be eternal. The way you care for somebody in the public's line, uh, the way you, you serve nursery when you really don't want to or help out with O kids. I mean, the, the way you do the smallest little things, the way you, you show integrity and care and love for others in your job, the way you just walk with Jesus matters. And everything we do from him Nothing will ever come to vanity. He'll make sure of that. What I love about 2 Corinthians is it really in many ways summarizes where we've been. It reminds us of our creative worth. It says, in Christ Jesus, we're a new creation. 
We're a new creation. We, that, that image that's been marred by sin has been made new. We have a new nature. It tells us, again, our purchase price, that, that God would take him who knew no sin, that he would become our sin and die on the cross for us. That's, that's our purchase value price, that, that we are now in Christ Jesus. That's the family that we're in. That's how God sees us, uh, uh, that residential worth, and that he's given us his righteousness. And now this vocational worth. He calls you his own. And he wants to tell his story through you. You, right now, right where you are. Again, I find it intriguing that in Japan, they still will follow a practice of looking at the meishi, the business cards, to see who has the, the greater title and, and to bow. The one with the lowest bows. But in Christianity, it's something completely different. It all begins with us bowing. It begins with us bowing before Jesus as a Lord of Lords and King of Kings and every rightful authority of our life. It begins with us bowing low and saying, Jesus, can you really love a sinner like me? But once we are in Christ Jesus, we continue to bow. Although we have an incredible title, we represent God. How do we represent him? We represent him by bowing to those around us and having the privilege of serving them. And how do we become ambassadors? We wash feet. We do the simplest things of love in Jesus' name. We have a title that gives us the privilege of acting like Jesus, to serve and not be served, and have the great worth of telling others, do you know that God loves? Because I know that reality, because God could love a sinner like me and a sinner like you. Isn't that good news? And he wants the world to know it through you and me because we are his ambassadors. Let us pray. Father God, thank you so much for the depth of love you have for us and the calling you have for us that, that God, you are reconciling the world to yourself in Christ Jesus, the only hope for the world. God, may your church know this. The only hope for reconciliation is through your son, Jesus. He is the hope of the world. And I love what he's done. He's reconciled us to you and now he's given us this great ministry of reconciliation. And God, I love the reality that all you want us to do is to be who you made us to be in love with you. And God, may we do that well for your glory. It's a mystery. It's a mystery that you choose to use us this way. It seems so weak and so feeble. It seems like the God of the universe would have a better plan than to call us as ambassadors. But God, it brings you great glory that broken, weak jars of clay like us have the, the joy of participating with you in making all things new through the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I pray for the one here who is yet to embrace Christ as Savior, to yet to bow to the one who's ultimate. May today be the day where they would come to you who's so loving and kind, confess the reality that they need you and their sins need to be forgiven that they would embrace you and wear the righteousness of Christ and become that new creation. Oh, it's such a good day. And God, for those of us who are already a part of that new creation, may we see everything differently, everything differently through the lens of the gospel that calls us to be your ambassadors. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.